Good evening, TDN listeners. Welcome to this weekend interview on TDNRadio.net. I am your host, Anthony Drago. I, I'm excited. I'm excited tonight because I have a special program on tap for you. Um, but first, let me welcome you and say, as always, I, I always appreciate the fact that you make this weekend interview part of your weekly agenda. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. I always appreciate your your company. If tonight is the first time that you're listening to this weekend interview, I hope you enjoy the time that you spend with me, this time you spend with us. I hope you remember the regular listeners that um, you, you have to invite five um, new people to listen to this weekend interview with you. Let's try to grow our audience so that as we... We try to grow our audience so that as we as we um, get more information and we decide to take action on, on that information, that uh, we will have more people. We can actually start a movement because the objective, yes, is to give information, but what do you do with that information? So this is what this weekend interview is about. It's about having conversations with people of interest, people who have accomplished so much, people who, by virtue of their training or their experience, have stuff to share with us. And I always try to bring it from a different angle, a di- an angle that is different from what you find on Facebook or what you see on TV. You know, whereas the topic is, is, is contemporary and of interest, we bring it from a different point of view. And so tonight is no exception. I'm very excited. I have the incomparable um, Angelo Allen as my guest tonight on this weekend interview. So I'm very anxious to get there and talk to him. But as usual, if you're a regular listener, you know every week I play the Caricom Anthem. So let's listen to Mikel Henderson do the Caricom Anthem. And when we come back, I'm going to be joined on the line by Mr. Angelo Allen calling all the way from Dominica. And we're going to... You, you know, if you're familiar with Angelo, you know the type of... Um, a vibe that he brings so um, i'm super super excited that um to have this conversation this evening so let's listen to michael do the caricom anthem and stay tuned angelo allen is on tap tonight on this week in interview from many distant lands our forefathers came some seeking adventure, some bound in chains. Through battles waged and fought, through victory and pain, by test of their courage, our freedom was gained. In homage to those gone before us, the heroes of lands in the sun We vow to join hands and to focus On building one Caribbean Raise your voices high Sing of your Caribbean pride Sing it loud and strong Feel the heart
Welcome back. Um, every Wednesday, I play the Caricom Anthem, and every Wednesday, I listen to Mikel Henderson do the Caricom Anthem, and it sounds fresh every time. And there's so many of you who communicate with me and, and say that the only time you hear the Caricom Anthem is when you listen to this speaking interview. And I think if you listen to the words of the song by now, the regular listeners should be really familiar with the words. It embodies our aspirations as Caribbean people. Um, we have so much more in common than we have differences. And so I, uh, you know, we look forward to the day when we can actually go, go forward as Caribbean people, um, as one nation and approach the world as a group. Instead of, you know, individual specks of sand in the Caribbean Sea, as I like to say, um, definitely, uh, you know, we will accomplish so much more. We have great examples. The West Indies cricket team in its heyday and, and the, um, EC dollar being able to stay stable over all these years and so on and so on. We have good examples of when we work together, how much we accomplish. Um, well, tonight, tonight, I don't know if you can hear the excitement in my voice because as I said to you before we, we took the break, my guest tonight on this weekend interview is Mr. Angelo Allen. Yes. The, 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 the incomparable Angelo Allen. 
Um, those of you from Dominica uh, would know him as, um, uh, you know, he's been the host of, of numerous shows. He's, he's a former news editor. He produced and hosted a variety of shows on, on Kyrie FM and, and more recently on Q95 FM. Um, he's been in radio in, 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 in Dominica and in the region for, for the last 20 years. Uh, he has popular shows like Late Night Show with Angelo Allen, Man Talk, Politics, Weekly Headlines, Rise and Shine, What's on Your Mind, Agriculture in Action. And of course, he's not just on a local scene, on an international scene, he's also uh, mid-waves. He, he's had the, the, um, the privilege of being able to interview such internationally renowned people as Oprah Winfrey, um, former Secretary of State of the United States, Madeleine Albright, uh, Congresswoman Maxim Waters, and the late British MP, Bernie Grant, late Prime Minister Dame Eugenia Charles, and, and the current Bishop Mazir, and more. And of course, if, you, if, you've, if, you've, if you've heard Angelo on the radio, you know he, you know, he is candid, you know he is he's, he's courageous he he gets to the point and he says what he has to say and he's always speaking or seeking to speak truth to power regardless of which side that you may be on um you either can take it or you cannot take it and of course i have the distinct pleasure i feel honored and i'm humble that he agreed to come on this week in interview to be my guest I'm also very happy that I'm able to, to give him a voice on TDN Radio to, to talk to his listeners. So a very warm welcome to you, my brother. Welcome to this weekend interview. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how to call you. Anthony, Tony, Mr. Drago, uh, what, what are you comfortable with? What are you comfortable with? I'm comfortable with Anthony. Uh, okay, Anthony, it's good. Yeah. Well, you know, good evening to you, my brother. And um, first of all, uh, I would like to ask your permission to reach out there to um, listeners of QFM. I'm sure that in some cases, there are some listeners who listen to Q and listen to you as well. If there are such people out there, um, my uh, former listeners, I would like to use this opportunity to really apologize to them i owe it to my, my my former listeners of course um the nine and a half years which i spent at qfm uh was pretty dynamic i enjoyed all of it and of course i recognize that um it's the listeners across the world who really made me who i am considered to be in the broadcasting um, yeah, yeah. Of so, course. so angela let me let, let me uh, angela let me jump in there and say yes I, I that is how i actually intended to start the interview because when <laughs> i when i put it out there in social media that you were going to be my guest um a number of people express a little bit of concern um that after um that you dropped off the site of q from q95 fm for those of you who are not from Dominica, Q95 FM is a very popular radio station in Dominica. It's called the Big Station. And Angelo uh, had quite a following, not just in Dominica, but in the, in the entire Dominica diaspora. And um, people love to hear him on the show. And then one day he was on and the next day he was off. And a lot of people um, expressed 
you know the dissatisfaction in that so my brother let's clear the air and and talk to talk directly to those listeners because there are quite a few of them who who um want to hear from you yeah um again anthony it's really with a degree of sadness really that um i reach out there and um extend my uh, i don't say condolences whatever but i don't want to make it sound like a sadder thing but i i would just like to say to the folks out there who listened to me um for a long time for many years and um just realize that one day they just didn't hear from me again <laughs> life is strange circumstances can be you know not always what we would like them to be and it just happened let us say well uh, 18 months prior to coming back on, which was what it happened to be, have been the last day of April uh, 2017, I think it was. And um, that it was a weekend because May Day was going to be that Monday. And it just happened that um, the CEO of the station and I, uh, after a discussion, basically decided uh, that weekend that until we can uh, further um, settle whatever the differences were, you know, that we were going to basically split. And it was a week, so it was a weekend. It was, May Day was coming at Monday. I think we spoke that Saturday. I was supposed to have been on on Sunday, so I just didn't have an opportunity to come back on. Now, hate is that the way life is, 18 months later, some folks uh, decided, well, since I left the station, uh, many people have been yearning for my return. And in some cases, some people decided that they were willing to pay the radio station to have me back. And, of course, I think that was around the month of November. Uh, they discussed it with Mr. G, the owner of uh, the big station. And um, I agreed to come back, back on. But by the end of November, Answers found that um, the, the the cost to them was much more than they had anticipated. I, I can say it is actually four thousand uh, dollars. Mister G, the, the owner of the station, charged the um, contributors four responses, four thousand uh, dollars a month, paid in advance for for me to. Uh, to be back. So they did that for November. They, they were pretty anxious. They were pretty excited. And um, they did it. At the end of November, uh, they indicated to me that they attempted to meet with the ownership of the station to try to arrange for a more reasonable um, price that they could more easily afford. And uh, their efforts were unsuccessful. They were just not able to meet with the CEO. He just basically never met with them. I was told by their representative, that's a group of people who invited me back and had a meeting with me at the Garway Hotel with the owner of the station as well. And um, these people indicated that on numerous occasions, um, they spoke with the owner. He said he would meet with them and he just never met with them. And they thought that $4,000 
for the month paid in advance was a little excessive and they were expecting something more reasonable. So again, that was the end of November. I think the, the last program I did was probably the first day of December and they were still attempting to meet with the owner of the station, which um, they were really not successful in doing. So like the first time, I just never had an opportunity to come back on and um, thank the listeners for having listened to me for many years in, in most cases and um, to apologize to them for what transpired. So uh, this is really what happened. I think now it's all out there in the open and everyone knows that it's not because uh, Angelo Allen don't think about the listeners. It's just life's circumstances. And so um, to all of you, uh, I apologize to you for that. And I thank you also for having listened to me over the years. Uh, Tony, I think that um, that's, is that good or what? Yeah, that's very good. I think good. we can move on from there. It makes me, it makes me feel sad, man. <laughs> no, that, that's very good. Um, because it, it, it really explains to the listeners that you did not have a chance to come back to Q95 doesn't belong to you. So if you don't have access to, the, to Q95 Airways, there's no way that you could come back to Q95 and say, listen, guys, um, this is going to be my last show. Um, until circumstances right. change, I wouldn't be back. It was just ended, and you had no control over the fact that it ended. So hopefully, um, right. the, the listeners of Q, who also listen to um, TDN Radio, will, will, will understand, and, and they will tell their fellow listeners. And, you know, um, in relationships, there's breakup and there's makeup, and, you know, and there's misunderstanding <laughs> <laughs> communication. So, so um you know, hopefully your listeners will embrace you because I know you have some very strong and loyal listeners, which is which explains why the the reaction was also very strong um, when they perceived they were they were a little bit slighted. But but let's move along. Let's move along. Hopefully people but, understand. But, but, but that's under, but that's understand that's understandable. It's um, almost as though you have a, a good friend. You all have been friends for a long time for years. And then all of a sudden, one day, this friend just disappeared. You just heard, maybe you heard the friend went overseas or somewhere, some place. And you're wondering, but wow. So you mean this person couldn't tell me that they were leaving? And probably the circumstances would not have allowed them to say goodbye. So, so yeah. So, C'est la vie. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. life. And we move on, and, we, and in relationships, we forgive, and you know, and and we move on. So, but anyhow, moving on. Um, and, like yeah, I said, we, and we do the work. We do the work. We do the work which we have to do, man. Life exactly. goes on. And, and and I brought you on because um, what may what endeared you to your listeners and your following is the fact that you are no nonsense guy. You are a courageous guy. Not only that, you make the effort to educate yourself and to be informative. So that, so that not only you bring you know, that hard-hitting um, candor to your program, but you also bring a lot of information and a lot of intelligence. So, so let's jump into the political fray. Um, Dominica, right now, the political <laughs> pot is, is boiling. You know, it's, it's stewing up, and there's a lot of you know, different things in that pot. Um, I, last, week, last week, I made the case to the listeners that the, the the selection of the prime minister of his new team that he's going to contest the next election with his lineup um, spe- says a lot 
um, with regards to how confident he is in the current serving people um, in his parliament. And um, I wanted you, I wanted you to um, to jump right in there. You know, I I know the type of person you are. Of course, you've you've looked at that list, and you've you you know you 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 um you've analyzed it, and you have your own opinions and your own take on it. So so I, I'm anxious to hear you just jump in and talk about any aspect of it that you want to, and and let's have a conversation about that Labour Party lineup for the next election. Yeah, well, Anthony, first of all, I think that we must all recognize that it is the prerogative of the leader of the Dominica elect, select, or work with whoever the leader thinks is likely to win. That's what the game is about. It's just that there, there is a certain process and procedure which um, uh, one follows in dealing with matters so formal and so consequential. So, uh, if anything, I believe that it is the manner in which the Prime Minister, not acting as Prime Minister, of course, but as head of the Labour Party, the manner in which he really dealt a blow, a severe blow to many members of his Dominica Labour Party by bringing in new people, at which some people might say is rather premature and early to have brought in so many people either working side by side with those who are in the current position or the possibility of these people coming to experience some degree of undermining, which I don't think um, the leader of the Labour Party, the Prime Minister of Dominica, uh, can benefit from. So, for example, in the... Rosso Central constituency. I mean, Robbie Tong has been there almost as political theater. He's been acting as though he's the parliamentary representative, and he's been doing that for years now. As a matter of fact, when Dominica recently experienced its catastrophe, um, Hurricane Maria, um, it was um, Robert Tong was out there, you know, giving away food uh, as the representative of Rosso Central. So uh, after being used like this, I think that there was a natural expectation for Robert Tong to have been given an opportunity to run for and contest the Rosso Central seat where he... His family owns a significant business in the city, and um, uh, he has been growing into that position as pal rep, you know, and there was this natural expectation that he would have had an opportunity to contest the elections. Now, in recent times, you know, Anthony, something dramatic happened in Rosso Central constituency, right. again, where the leader of the Labour Party, the Prime Minister, decided that he would snatch um, Joseph Isaac, 
from the United Workers' Party, who is currently the elected parliamentary representative, the MP for Rosa Central, the, the prime minister, caused him to cross the floor with the United Workers' Party is in the uh, parliamentary opposition now. Isaac crossed the floor to meet the, the prime minister and his party, the Dominican Labour Party. No, you would have expected naturally that because he is currently the elected representative of Roseau Central, that the prime minister or the head of the Labour Party would have found it natural to send him or support him to run against the opposition. Instead, the prime minister in his capacity as head of the Labour Party, decided reasonable, reasonably or otherwise, right, that um, the right thing to do was to put his wife, insert her into the political uh, arena, have her declare her running for Rosa Central, and this guy who won the seat in Rosa Central He's moving him to the side now, to Roseau North constituency, which is really not an easy seat to win for a new contender. And so that in itself creates some degree of, you know, discombobulation, one might say. You know, where Joseph Isaac, who is currently the parlor rep, who won the seat for Rosa Central for the United Workers Party, he crossed the floor to the Labour Party, and now the leader of the Labour Party is pushing him away from the seat he won to Roseau North, where Mr. Danny Luge is a very popular representative there. He won the seat um, on several occasions, and the last time, I mean, he won the seat profusely. You know, so um, these are some of the strange things uh, <laughs> that, that are happening no, 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 it, across the country. Especially when you consider that um, the last election, Danny Luge beat Julius Timothy, who, who is also a businessman, a more established and more um, um, known businessman than Joseph Isaac is. And Danny Luge beat him handily, you know. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, a, a very important point that you, you, you have just brought up because Mr. Julius Timothy, who contested the elections, again, a former United Workers Party deputy leader who along the journey, the political journey, became uncomfortable um, with his party at the time, the United Workers Party, subsequently crossed the floor and joined the Dominica Labour Party. And some folks might say eventually just dissipated. Mr. Julius Timothy was a very profound politician in Dominica, a deputy leader, a former deputy leader of the United Workers Party, a well-loved brother, very humane, um, high-spirited, intelligent. And this man cannot be considered for a second a non-entity in the Dominican community. And it is this is the caliber of the gentleman who ran uh, against Mr. Danny Luguet in the Roseau North constituency, who really was just 
surprised really at, at the polls. He was just blown away at the polls. <laughs> so, and Mr. So Dan, Mr. Daddy, so he, he, like, you know, they would say colloquially, he, like they say colloquially, he got a whipping. He got a beating. You know? so, he's, he, he, he's still a nice guy and he lives in the constituency. He maintains his friendliness, which is a good thing. But the current contender for the Dominica Labour Party, Mr. Joseph Isaac, who um, is expecting to go up against Mr. Danny Lugay. It's almost a fait accompli that mm. Mr. Isaac is not likely to win. Not that there's anything personal against him or his party, but just watching the political chess moves, it almost seems like a practical impossibility for him to move on this spontaneous move. Again, some folks say, uh, well, the prime minister is unreasonable because he should have considered those are the matters which we brought forward and the circumstances which really surrounds um, the Rosal Central constituency, um, which would have probably given Mr. Joseph Isaac an advantage to be the um, contender to be the uh, against. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be, well, he's the incumbent now, but he would contend against the United Workers Party, you know. Um, uh, but again, um, it is the prerogative of the prime <laughs> well, I, I hear you of, say of that, the leader. It is the prerogative you, I, of the leader of the Labour Party. But, but I'm sure the Labour Party has a constitution that, that talks about how you select candidates. But, but it sounds like Rosa North might be the cemetery where United Workers Party um, people go to die <laughs> when they cross the floor. <laughs> Um, but uh, let's talk about other people. Um, you know, so no, let's, no, no, let's, but, let's but, but please, let's... please, Anthony, Anthony, please, before we move on, uh-huh. if we, you, you mentioned something very important as well when you talk about the um, constitution of the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. When I say insistently that it's the prerogative of the leader of the party. Uh, and again, it is. It is just that there are certain formalities, certain procedures. And over the last 15 years or so, mm-hmm. the, from 2004, since uh, Mr. Skerritt became the leader of the Dominica Labour Party and the prime minister, since then, Mr. Skerritt has never adhered to anything uh, which resembled the constitution of the Labour Party. I believe that his constitution for his political party is in his head. And and one might say, or many people would agree, that for the past 15 years, he has never been challenged. He, the, 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 the folks around him allow him to really neutralize the significance of the of the party's constitution, and they allowed him uh, uh, the initiation of being a one-man operation because we all know in Dominica, his party and others recognized that he became uh, a, a so-called son of Chavismo, and the mentality is to really minimize the importance of the democratic process and to be more autocratic. And um, this way, Mr. Skerritt uh, is is the leader and he determines what happens on behalf of the party. And he has never been challenged publicly for it. I want to stay there a little bit, Angelo, because that is something I always yes. wondered about. Because when Skerritt was um, the prime minister, 
um, suddenly rose to the to the position of prime minister. Suddenly rose after after the untimely death of of two prime ministers. Um, mm-hmm. He was very young, very young, very politically inexperienced, and and in the in the in the oldest well, old, I think the Labour Party existed before the Freedom Party, so the oldest party in the country, and. There were there were stalwarts, you know, like Vic Rivier and all of these other people who um, Labour Party. How did they allow all of their power and all of what they invested in the party? Because you remember people like Gabriel Christian and Thompson Fontaine. So there was a new generation of Rusiites, if you want to call them, and they were the older yeah. heads who were in the party and they and all of a sudden this young guy came up supposedly inexperienced supposedly without that much um you know gravitas or whatever but he was able to come in and just eclipse everybody and as you say just run it like a one man show how do you have any and, and, insight and, into that? and he was and he he and he did this almost with the consent of the, the 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 prime minister's men around him because no one has ever challenged him in public as a matter of fact you, you when you speak of the the fact that two prime ministers had really had died within a short period before the prime minister the current prime minister now becoming the leader we had you talked about senior people around him um, like Gebu and um, Thompson Fountain, I believe these were educated intellectuals around him. But you had more mature, long-term labor rights, like Reginald Ostry, for example. You had Matthew Walters. You had others. And um, for some reason, it would appear that after these two prime ministers died, so rapidly and so closely to, in, in, to, to each other, it's almost as though the seniors of the Labour Party were scared of the top position. And the people like Reginald Austrey and Matthew Walters and others, others stepped aside and allowed this young man, no experience, I guess, and just being ambitious, you know, he was picked by Rosie to run for him, and um, he, to him, he had an opportunity, and he just came in. But not only that, he came in as a, a very young guy with no experience about governing anything substantive to the level of, let's say, a big business or a country. He came in very young with no experience. He had never been in the opposition before. He came in and um, his party won the first time around and he became a minister of government. And he actually, right now, the guy has grown in the position. He grew up as as a prime minister, but the thing is, the people around him were always proud to say that we Dominicans have the youngest prime minister in the world. And I said repetitiously on my programs in the past, I asked the question, what is it that we know in Dominica that the rest of the world really uh, you know, has no knowledge of? 
that, that why would that we, we the reins of the want to have a totally green hand yeah? yeah why would we want to have the youngest prime minister in the world <laughs> and i think 20 years later 14 years under his watch or 15 years under his watch the people of dominica objectively uh, should really put down their political flags and analyze the citizens of our country. Really, the history will show that we had the youngest prime minister in the world. Let us review the performance of this youngest prime minister in the world. And two decades later, with his party in the governance chair of the country, let us see what we as a people, as a country at home and abroad, have benefited from a country led for 15 years plus by the youngest prime minister in the, in world. the world. Let me let me take a pause there and see the listeners. Um, you're listening to This Week in Interview on tdnradio.net. Uh, my guest tonight is Mr. Angelo Allen. The, yes, the Angelo Allen of of, of Kyrie FM and Q95 um, and he has his voice have been silent on the radio airways for, for a few months now and I, I'm delighted that he agreed to come on this weekend interview as my guest and we, we were just talking about the, the whole political situation in, in Dominica and specifically um, the, 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 the curious choices both in terms of timing and in terms of candidates that the Labour Party, the Prime Minister of Dominica, has chosen to run with him in the next election. Um, I, I want to move on to other things, but I cannot move on from that list before I ask you, what do you think about Melissa um, Skerritt, the wife of the Prime Minister, being the candidate for the... I know you, you already spoke about it vis-a-vis -vis the, the, the relegation of, of Robbie and Isaac. But in and of itself, yeah. um, the Prime Minister's wife, um, Melissa, with all her experience or lack of, um, all her presence in the community um, as, as the Prime Minister's wife for the last few years, what is your take, what is your opinion of her being the candidate for Rosa Central um, where you have all the commerce and industry and political um, you know, action going on in, in the country? Well, that, that's a very interesting point that we must highlight, that it is really historical. Since Columbus left Dominica, we have never really had the history books. I did some research. We have never shown where a prime minister went, of course, way before our independence, that a man, that a, a prime minister and his wife would be both, you know, running for parliament and expecting to be ministers of government significantly in the governing of the state. So this is something with some historic significance, and I think that um, it's important for us to pay attention to it. Uh, some, some people are of the belief that because of some of the remarks of the Prime Minister in the past, where, for example, in a rally at um, Makushui some years ago, he actually said to his supporters there that he would like them to vote for him till 2050. And 
I mean, they all jumped and roared and clapped and as though they were in agreement to continue voting for the gentleman until 2050. He has also, on the public record, indicated that he will be in office. He's hoping to be there until his son, Dimitri, is able to come and take over from him. Now, many people, mainly his supporters, considered it a joke. And again, they laughed and clapped and rejoiced about it. And I said at the time, but this is very strange thinking in a democratic setting for a young prime minister to be speaking about being in office as prime minister for till 2050 and thinking that there is a possibility of him being there until his son, which is a very young boy, oh, a baby becomes of, he was a baby at the time, becomes of age to be the prime minister. So since then, I noted that this was not a normal situation as it uh, pertains to governance style in a, in a democratic setting and that the people of Dominica should take these incidents and several others which I highlighted that we as Dominicans should take these incidents seriously because when they, you have a leader with that type of thinking and such a mentality and at that time, again, his closest friends were Hugo Chavez, Muammar Gaddafi, and almost as though anywhere he could find a strong man, he wanted to stand side by side with them. So uh, I was pretty skeptical about the mentality of Dominique's leader back then. And I'm saying this as a background to say that several years ago, and now the guy has grown more confidently. He has become more authoritative. He has become more oppressive to the spirit of the constitution of Dominica. He has become quite an opponent, oppressively so, to the spirit of democracy in Dominica. And needless to say that the, when the gentleman speaks about those in the parliamentary opposition, he speaks about them as real personal enemies that he would really, really not like to have anything constructive to do with. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, almost as though any one in the parliamentary opposition who speaks against his policies. It's a personal thing, and he feels, he takes it very personal and feels that you're attacking him. You want to take his thing from uh -huh. him. Yep. I am saying that to, to move forward, the gentleman feels that over the years, he has done so much unilaterally, and he has actually received zero pushback from within his party. Therefore, you know like what they say, how the saying goes? Give him an inch, he'll take a yard. Give him a yard, he'll take a mile. 
So they have given this guy who they referred to as Dominica's youngest prime minister, the youngest prime minister in the world. They have given the gentleman so much leeway that right now he thinks that, again, in his thinking, that it is normal and it is natural for his wife to now throw her hat in the political ring and be there campaigning with him for high office because there's some type of imaginary writing on the board which says to such a mentality that my wife and I could run this thing better than me alone and me and anyone else across the country. So this is really what it has actually gotten to. Um, I should say that, though, uh, on the side of the of um, uh, Melissa, uh, you made a point that um, Roseau is this is the heart of commerce and everything else. Well, I think this is to be balanced here. You might say that Melissa is the child of a profound business person in the city with a long experience of doing business in the city, and they live a very um, um, enjoyable, successful, exemplary type of life economically in the society. They're uptown people, upscale people. They're people who can, Melissa can say, uh, you know, I grew as a child in this town, and um, my father biz- my father's business employed people over an extended period of time. And over during that time, being around my father, um, I saw people came in to do business and didn't have money sometimes. And I saw my father uh, reached out and helped them. Or you know what I'm saying, uh, Anthony? I just want to, you know, be, to be balanced, balanced <laughs> here. I just want to be balanced. So mm. I am saying that I'm not saying that practically this exists. But there is a possibility, or hypothetically, she could speak like you that. Know, but if somebody had to make a case to justify why she could be a why she could be a choice as a candidate, um, that is the case that they could put forward. But I but I, but I like the points that you made about the idea of the prime minister bringing his wife into the fr- almost as if you well, you have a family business. And and now, now the kids now the kids are not breastfeeding anymore. Now the come, kids are come, grown. Now the kids are not breastfeeding. Come help me in the business, you know. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and so Dominicans are to be. You know, and Anthony, Anthony, stick a pin there, please, because you know I have said this on numerous occasions in the past that it is not normal. It is not natural in a democracy for the minister of finance to be renting his building to do government's work. work. And whenever I said that in the past, some people would say, well, Angelo, you're, you're too hard on the guy. The buildings really belong to his wife and not himself. No, his wife is in the political ring. I mean, they don't usually give interviews uh, where journalists have an opportunity to question them about, you know, ask the hard hard questions. But really, a journalist might want to ask Melissa uh, Skerritt, now that she is running for public office, what does she think ethically 
about the fact that her their their buildings between herself and her husband that their buildings are being rented to the government of Dominica and at the end of the month the finance minister which is Mr. Skerritt writes a check basically to his wife Mr. Skerritt and it, it just does not seem right I mean they, they, at one time Anthony there was the ministerial building and during the um period of the last government the united workers party government they built this financial center they had just started building the financial center when the government changed right. and of I course i think that. the intention mm-hmm. the intention was to construct this financial center because offshore banking was a new facet of dominica's economy and was beginning to produce new money into the economy so i think it was the um, the idea of the government of the day that building a financial center where offshore companies could operate with proper supervision and scrutiny and whatever uh, would be helpful to this new industry in dominica however when mr skerritt became the prime minister he figured such a tremendous building seems like something he would like to use for his office so all of a sudden the financial center became the prime minister's office now he has this five floor building that he uses for his office you want to tell me <laughs> that dominicans yeah do you want to tell me that dominicans have not yet seen that it is improper it is not normal it is not natural in a democracy that the prime minister who is the minister of finance has taken upon himself to leave the financial center which is the place provided to do state business and is renting his building in town or they say his wife or we should say allegedly all right mm-hmm. so this it says not his building it's his wife's building but you pass you, you you see the signs and you must shake your head and wonder but what is happening and again my brother no one is complaining about this type of behavior in government well you know you know Angelo, is, i looked i looked at the um press conference that the united workers party had last week thursday and i yeah. heard curtis Matthew try to 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 pin down the leader of the opposition with some pointed questions um i'm not qualifying the questions one way or the other whether they were good questions or not so so i'm sending out a challenge to curtis Matthew. The next time you have the opportunity to interview the Prime Minister, I would like to see similar type questions be asked because I think those are very important, important questions. Angelo, before before our time runs out, there's another yeah. there's another issue I would like you to, to address. Um, and that is the issue of Dr. Irvin Pascal, the, the only yes. ear, nose and throat specialist that we have in Dominica. And more recently, this week, um, there's the issue of Dr. Ricketts Schillingford, our, our, our eye specialist. Um, and, and she's a surgeon, eye surgeon, ophthalmologist and all that. And what those two cases have in common is the government choosing not to renew or, 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 or whatever it is. They don't have a contract to work at the Princess Margaret Hospital anymore. Dr. Rickardson is not final, it's not permanent, it's supposed to be while negotiations is going on. But but just talk 
talk a bit about um, the, 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 the deprivation of the people of Dominica of the skills of specialists. It's not, it's not to say these people who are working in administration and so you want to make room for young people who can do secretarial work or, or answer the phone or something. Those are specialized and, exper- and skills. And, and yet still, um, we, uh, have you heard a good explanation from the government or from, from as to why it was necessary to, to deprive the public of the services of these um, experts? Well, Anthony, this is really fascinating. And uh, one might say, listen, in Dominica, politics has gone wild. But, you know, we must remember the story about what, what happened in G- Germany during the time of Hitler when they were picking up people who had different principles, ideologies, ideas, whatever. They came, they, they picked up, well, they, they picked up the Jews. No one complained, hey, I'm not a Jew. They, they picked up economists and People did not protest. They are not a, a, an economist. And they, they picked up the journalists. And they said, oh, I'm not a journalist. And they kept picking up people by different categories, different groupings, to the point where they came for the last one. And he said, you know what? Listeners, you know, I'm talking to Angelo yeah. on WhatsApp. And so we got caught up a little bit. That's okay. You have an incoming call. Uh, and so, you know, that, that is some of the technology that we have to do. They desperately with. try to get there. I apologize. Yeah. So, so, Angelo, go ahead and talk. Tell them no for two minutes. It's okay. Um, that, or, or half a minute that, that you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, listeners, you know, I, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Go ahead, Angelo. Yeah, Anthony, I, I, I apologize. Someone was desperately trying to call me on my phone. I had to be yeah, this, this that, that when, yeah. we have, when we have a call on WhatsApp, sometimes um, we cannot help the interruption just by nature <laughs> of, um, of the technology that we're using. Right. But, but anyway, to, to continue, you know, Anthony, the, you remember the engineers of Dominica, they, they went to court, they filed a lawsuit because they said, for example, a bridge in Roseau Central, which the prime minister decided to build for $18 million, that our local engineers were not able, they were not given an opportunity to bid on the bridge. And, um, you know, you heard the nurses talking about how they were be, being victimized, different groups of people. And then there's no real loud protest about those people being discriminated against. So now you can see that the circle is expanding. You see, Anthony? Mm-hmm. Now they're hitting the doctors now. So they went first to, to the only ENT, ear, nose, and throat specialist in Dominica, one of Dominica's most brilliant individuals. This man, a fully experienced doctor, he's at his best right now, um, tremendous experience. The nation loves him, but they went after Dr. Pascal, the ENT, and they replaced him with a Chinese, and then no one said anything, no loud voices. Now they went after Dr. Ricketts, 
who is the only eye specialist, the main eye specialist on Ireland, and again, a fully experienced doctor, well-loved by the community. So you can see that they're basically going after different categories of people. Um, still, I should say, there is no loud cry. And I, and no I would go back a little, no, back a little against further, Angelo. That. A little further, you know, take it to the public works workers. The way the Prime Minister right. just disbanded public works and started outsourcing all of our public work activities to foreign companies, pretty much. And, and the way our unions stay silent when Chinese do projects in Dominica and see that they have to bring laborers to work in Dominica instead of using local labor. So, so I take your point and right. I'll expand it to even those instances. Yes, and hopefully um, by the time the next election cycle comes around, the people of Dominica will probably say, listen, enough is enough because they have kept their cool for so long that I think um, at this point, well, people are really scared. Most people are very frightened to speak publicly. If you are not speaking in support of the government or in support of the Dominica Labour Party, if you're not speaking that lingo, then expect to be oppressed um, at the nearest opportunity that those in control of the state have, you know, the, the nearest opportunity, they, they will do something. I remember at one time, Dr. Ferrara ran for the United Workers' Party. He was affiliated with the United Workers' Party some years ago. And um, similarly, he was, he was told that he couldn't use the hospital until he basically had to dissociate himself from the United Workers' Party so that he was able to uh, continue his practice and to do whatever he had to do at the hospital. So it's not the first time that this government uh, has actually used the doctors or best minds or best brains in Dominica to, to, to really penalize the citizens of the country. And, and you know, Anthony, I, I reported on that um, years ago that it would appear that uh, the, the Mr. Skerritt, the, the, the head of the Labour Party, that it's almost as though he's making a deliberate effort over the years. He has made a deliberate effort to take good people from within the medical profession in Dominica. And I made a reference to Dr. Daru. Dr. Daru from Pitted Savannah up there, he was such a good doctor uh, in Grand Bay. He was considered so loved by the community, the district, that the government tried to transfer him to somewhere else. And the people of the health district went to the hospital in Grand Bay and forced, basically, with their presence there, the government to change its mind. And Dr. Daru stayed there, which I blamed him at the time, because I said, listen, the state sent you to Cuba to study to be a doctor. Your responsibility is to work with the people of Dominica through the government. And so if the state feels that the state needs your, your service, not only in Grand Bay, but we need your service in Portsmouth and Marigot, wherever. I don't think that the people 
in the district should come at the hospital, protest and say, we love our doctor, and you, the doctor, decide, okay, well, the people say they love me, so I'm staying there with them. So I found it was very unethical and unprofessional by Dr. Daru that um, he, he allowed himself to have fallen in that trap. But then after the people came to love him so much, what happened? The prime minister came to him two elections ago and said, listen, I want you to run politics for me. And again, Dr. Darrow, I think, it's my opinion, I think that Dr. Darrow showed a level of unprofessionalism and lack of commitment to the profession again. And with all the love these people loved him, he went to politics and met Mr. Skerritt and, was, and basically left the, 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 that health district. He abandoned the health district where the people loved him so much. But it's not only Dr. Daru that Mr. Skerritt pulled from, from, from the health community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is Justina Charles as well, the, former, the, the wife of the former prime minister, that a lovely nurse, everybody loved nurse Justina Charles and Grand Bay, they loved her, they loved her. And what happened? Mr. Skerritt went again in the Grand Bay Health District and he snatched doc, uh, nurse Justina Charles, from the people, brought her into politics. And the people of the health district are left without proper or adequate replacement. But he did the same thing in the Marigat area. We had Dr. Christmas, a young doctor again, um, came back from studying and whatever, came back to serve his people. And what happened? Same thing. The Prime Minister, Mr. Skerritt, pulled Dr. Christmas from the, 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 the health uh, profession, basically, and initiated him into politics. So, and uh, and uh, now, uh, you know, Anthony, we're speaking about poor health care and our doctors. And, uh, but this is an ongoing thing. Yeah, because the, the we have given we have made several references and, and, and there's no real outpouring of disgust it's by the citizenry. Uh -huh. and, and, and his current candidate for St. Joseph, you have to add, is a doctor, is a young female doctor that he announced as his candidate for St. Joseph constituency. So, 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 so you can see the trend continues. For sure, for sure. Now, um, the producers are indulging me so we can go on for a little longer, Angelo, because I, I, I want to continue this conversation a little bit longer because it would seem as though, <laughs> it would seem as though the Prime Minister doesn't care about the impact of his decisions on the people of Dominica. Because if you if you care, you would not you would not remove the the only ENT that you have from service. You would not mm -hmm. remove the, the leading eye specialist, um Dr. Ricketts, um you know, did surgery on my mom before she passed on both of her eyes, you know. Um, you, she's very she's good. Very she's the good, best. And she has a lot of experience. Um, you would not, you would not deprive the people of those of those services because people die as a result of those decisions. People go blind as a result of those decisions. People suffer, and so if you can make those decisions so lightly, um, for for political reasons, apparently for political reasons, it 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 shows a callousness and a certain level of lack of empathy, lack of caring for the people that you were supposedly leading on the part of the Prime Minister? Well, it shows his priority, politics. 
this priority is politics. Now, Angelo, before <laughs> yes. before, before before you left the the um the this the show on on on, on Q ninety five, I was listening to one of your yeah. shows on a Sunday evening, and I heard you talk about um the attempts by the prime minister to have a Chinese company come to Dominica and do ID cards. I I I. Uh, and I found that fascinating. Do you, I mean, do you have the details that you can talk to my audience about that? Well, I do not have the details with me. I mm. didn't um, know we were going to speak about that. I know, I know, but details. I know, but you, you were but talking about... However, yeah. However, mm-hmm. yeah, however, the card, mm-hmm. which we are talking about, right, which right. is what the Prime Minister is referring to, a national ID card, Right. First of all, in Dominica, the, the people of Dominica have been struggling, asking for uh, proper, free and fair elections. The right. Electoral Commission, well, that's another story. Uh, that's, we, we need to speak about them in a particular program. Mm-hmm. But again, people have been struggling for free and fair elections. Uh, in the laws of Dominica, it is clear that the Electoral Commission can issue a voter's identification card. However, the Prime Minister has been resisting issuing of voter's ID for years now. Instead, he has found himself in this um, frame of mind where he's synchronizing his efforts with something we have documentation on, which is happening in China and in Venezuela which something which we are referring he is referring to as the national id card and in my notes of course they gave us the spanish name for it it is currently being used in venezuela i forget how they call it now but um they are using it right now in venezuela and in china where it is actually produced we have a lot of write-ups on how the government in communist communist China used this. Uh, you, really, the government uses this card to to, to determine your movements yeah, anywhere you citizens. go. Yep. Yet anywhere you go, the government knows. Any transaction you do, if it is banking, the government knows. You travel, the government knows. Anything of significance that you do, the government knows because this card is coded as such. And in the case of Venezuela, for example, Maduro is currently using these cards to give, to extend certain services to his supporters. And of course, it's a way of exempting those who you really do not wish to enjoy the benefits of, of free government services, for example. Those who don't want to have it, you make sure that they don't get a card. And who and um, you can also use these cards, as I said, to track your opponents if they do have such a card. Uh, and um, yes, I, I, at that time when you listen to the program, I had my notes and I had all the details, but it's a very dangerous thing. And um, I have been speaking about it now for years. I hope that the people of Dominica understand that uh, when Mr. Skerritt talks about this national ID card, that he's ready to give millions of dollars for this national ID card, which the laws of Dominica do, really do not um, authorize the Electoral Commission 
to interfere with. They, they have no permission at the Electoral Commission to issue national ID cards. They have the authority to issue voters' identification card. But Mr. Skerry does not want voters' identification card. He wants one of these cards produced in China and really used in dictatorships. And um, that's the essence of this uh, national ID card. That's why the people of Dominica must continue to fight feverishly to ensure that um, uh, they face themselves away from the thinking of accepting this national ID card, which is really a a communist dictate, and uh, think more ordinarily about an identification card for someone going to vote at the polls just to ensure that the name and your your polling ID matches with your address and your constituency and whatever your polling station basically that's all you need you hear they're talking about the, you're, they're talking about they need to take your fingerprints they need uh, to scan your eyes and all kinds of of, of um or whatever i forget the name now but the, the details that they're trying to get from you these are details that the governments and communist countries use to really um, run roughshod over their citizens. And that's what Mr. Skerritt, as the Prime Minister of Dominica, who is closely affiliated with communist China and communist um, um, Venezuela uh, under Maduro, uh, Chavismo, he's basically uh, trying to align himself more closely with um, this type of governance and domination of the citizenry of the state. Yeah, so actually, you 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 accomplished what I wanted in bringing that up. Even if we can have, because I hope to have you back, um, we can talk about more details and and you know the various things that people have to look out for. But I really wanted you to to plant the seed in the listeners of of um this weekend interview that there's a difference between a voter identification card and a national ID card, especially the national ID cards. Um, with all of these enhanced features that that yes. um, the prime minister is interested in introducing into Dominica, uh, um, Angelo, I I am so happy that you came. Uh, we had uh, a, a wonderful conversation. You you you're so informative and so on top of things. And um, I want you to come back. I, I, let's talk. Maybe maybe especially since we're in the election season, you can come back more regular. Um, we we mm-hmm. still have to talk about electoral reform. Uh, you know, we still have, we, there's a number of other topics that we can talk about employment. We can talk about trade unionism, and um, we, you know, there's. But, so but much let me, Anthony, Anthony, about. Anthony, please allow me to just plant a seed briefly here for some time in the future, as we're seeing that we're concentrating on the elections, and the elections are so close. Certainly, certainly. The electoral, mm-hmm. the electoral commission, which is consisted of five individuals. Two nominated by and confirmed by the the opposition, the parliamentary opposition. Three by the government. My brother, the three who are representing the government on the electoral commission, they are all authorized to sell passports. They are wow. part of the CBI program, wow. and I have been asking this. I have been asking this question for some time now. Isn't this prejudicial to the other two? Who are not, who were not appointed by the government. They are not allowed an opportunity to sell passports, but the three who are lawyers, 
three lawyers, Repre- Alec Lawrence, um, this guy who is the chairman, Jared, Burton, Jared. Jared Burton, mm-hmm. and Condwani Williams. Three lawyers, all of them allowed to sell passports. And I, and I keep saying, I think the opposition or maybe just the citizen should go to court and challenge this because, in other words, it is a way of of prejudicing the minds of this these individuals on the electoral commission. Because, in other words, the the the, the proposition w- w- which is um, really being proposed here by the prime minister to them in an unspoken way is that listen, you guys either do the right thing and go for free and fair elections and don't make any money, just like these other guys. Who, who were confirmed by the opposition, or you guys stick with me, I allow you to sell passports, and all you concentrate on is your money. So, so in, in that, in that, that vein, Angelo, to, really, to, go ahead, to clarify what you're saying is that, um, in other words, without electoral reform, the, 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 there's a good chance that the incumbent government, the Labour Party government, will, will remain in power. But they have a better chance of winning in the next election without electoral reform. And electoral reform has to be enacted by the Electoral Commission. And so it, it sort of provides an incentive. Out, I, I want you to, first of all, say if you agree, if, you, if, if you're in agreement with that premise, that electoral... No, no, but of course, this is, this is the premise. The premise is that these guys... They have, they, they are big shots. Mm-hmm. They can go to the Middle East. They can go where they can sell this passport. That's a big money business. All right. When the prime minister and minister of finance authorizes them to be in the big money business, he, I think he is prejudicing their minds and he's undermining them in a subliminal way. And that's why the members of the Electoral Commission are not doing the right thing for the electorate of Dominica. But, uh, Anthony, you said one thing, that um, there's a possibility that if the list is not cleansed, that they are likely to win. And I would say to you, as someone on the ground, at one time, it seemed like that. Not anymore. The people are more enlightened. Just imagine our last census, which was done almost 10 years ago, was sealed by this government. They have never made it official. We ever heard of a country doing, taking, trying to count your population and then you hide the results. That's <laughs> what we're dealing with in Dominica, you know. But so the population is supposed to be about 71,000 people. But guess what? The electoral, the voters list is 70,000 people. How can that be? So it means that every baby on the island is voting. Whether you're 10 years, 8 years, 9 years, you're voting. It does not make any sense but it's the responsibility of the Electoral Commission to ensure that they cleanse this list for free and fair elections every cycle. But when they find themselves in a situation where they must determine whether or not they give up on a passport selling opportunity or to have free and fair elections, that's where the conflict lies. Right, right. That, that, is, that, that is so well put. In other words, if, if the Labour Party lose... They, they are going to lose as well. 
So, so in protecting the Labour Party, they, they see that they're protecting their income and significant They're protecting their bank account. It's yes. simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the people of Dominica, Anthony, the people of Dominica at this time, they are much more aware, they're much more enlightened, and the people are basically disgusted with these types of techniques and tactics which are generally uh, utilized in countries like Venezuela and Libya and wherever else, uh, you know, Morocco and wherever else. But then um, no matter what happens this time around, in terms of the machinations of uh, the prime minister, head of his party, and whatever else, right now, the people of Dominica, you, when you're on the ground, you can feel it, you can cut it in the air. I think that the people of Dominica have been very tolerant, we've been very patient, they've been very peaceful, very reason they have grown in their maturity and reason and sense of reason over the years and i believe that whenever elections are called that those in dominica who are eligible to vote will go out with one clear determination that we need to liberate our country we need a free country we do not now have free and fair elections, but to deal with that situation in a more long-term basis, we must change the government so that a new government will fix the electoral concerns which we have. And, uh, we, and sometime down the road, we will start having free and fair elections. But I think right now, it is just a matter of conscience of the people of Dominica, because we have gotten so far left that you're hearing now Dominica is basically in a fist fight with the general or secretary general of the Organization of American States. <laughs> You're hearing that, that, that the Americas are, 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 are calling for resolutions to try to deal with this Venezuela madness that's going on with Maduro down there where millions of people are fleeing the country. Hunger is devastating the land and men and women are walking behind garbage trucks to pick up food to eat. And Dominica voted against neighboring countries like Venezuela, I'm sorry, like Colombia, uh, Brazil, and other neighboring countries who understand the geopolitics and the socioeconomics and the sociopolitics of Venezuela, Mr. Skerritz, in the name of, he says it's for Dominica. We as Dominicans have nothing to do with that. But Mr. Skerritt, who is looking for a godfather dictator, has decided that no matter how many people flee Venezuela, he will continue to support Maduro. And so Dominicans are fed up, my brother. We are peaceful people, and we are waiting for when elections are called, whether it's next week, next month, next year, so we can go to the polls quietly, respectably, and vote this government out of office. Those in government, vote them out of office. Fire them. <laughs> Prime Minister. Fire them. The job, no, after 20 years, going to retirement. Man. Yeah, yeah, fire them. Okay. I agree. I agree. You know, my listeners, my <laughs> listeners hear me every week. I say that. You know, if, if you look at the results of the government over the last 20 years, you have no choice but to fire them. They don't have the results... Um, to show for, for, for their efforts 
for the people of for the timing off in the timing off even even more significantly my brother excuse me but even more significantly i say as democratic minded people 20 years for one political party in office 20 years for one prime minister in office we are we are moving gradually away or at this point i would say rapidly moving away from democratic principles and uh, when i uh, when i meet my friends from the other side uh, and we attempt to have a, you know a respectful conversation i usually say to them uh, the government has been good i'm not saying anything bad about the government this let's say the government has been pretty good they've been there for 20 years that is the most profound reason to change the government because a young man who was five years of age in 2000 when the Dominica Labour Party came into office. This young man is 25. He's a man with his beard and his wife and his kids, and he has not lived the experience of a peaceful transition in government, which is what democracy stands for, that there will be an electoral process, they will count the votes honestly, and then the, whoever it is will change and another set will come in peacefully and we will go ahead about our business. Uh, the point is important to, take, to be taken seriously that a man of 25 years in Dominica has not seen a change of government in his life, a peaceful change of government. That's every reason to change the government now. So, Angelo, I think you already answered the question, but I'm, I keep getting that question again and again on, on Facebook and on, on, on WhatsApp. Everybody's asking, ask Angelo, is it possible for United Workers' Party to win an election without electoral reform? I think I heard you say, yes, yes they can. Is that, that's what yes. you're saying, right? Yes. Because you're saying yes. that situation on the ground has evolved such that even, even if they, they resist electoral reform, it's not going to work this time. Is that what you're saying? Well, there is no, there is no natural expectation that the voters' list will be cleansed. It, it, is, it has now evolved into just another dirty strategy of the Labour Party in government. Now, some people like to say of the government, and I like to say the government don't run for, don't run campaigns and government don't run for elections. It is political parties who run for, which run for elections and then they get into government. So it is those in government that um, behaving very uh, mysteriously in Dominica as they continue to trample so vigorously on the constitution of Dominica, what it stands for, the liberties of the people of Dominica, our rights. I mean, it is just amazing, my brother, when there is a little demonstration where people are scared to go, you never find a demonstration with more than 300 people. And it is just amazing that with a few people standing there, not even with placards in their hand. They're just standing there empty-handed. And yet, this prime minister of Dominica finds that he is right to let them face soldiers. Well, they're policemen dressed as soldiers with machine guns, the same guns you use on the battlefields in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria. The M60 machine guns, the M, uh, you know, it, the SLR, 
the, the, these are the weapons that the unarmed, peaceful protesters of Dominica must deal with each time we try to go out there to stand peacefully and make a point about the lack of good quality democracy in Dominica. This is not normal in any democratic setting. And I believe that the people of Dominica uh, are becoming more and more sensitive to the fact that we are living a, 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 a life where people will never see their, or feel or live their own liberty, which we are supposed to be given through the constitution of Dominica. Freedom of association, freedom of expression, those things are being snatched away from the people. They are becoming so fearful, so terrified by those governing the state that they are scared to complain. That's where we are. I believe that most people at this time are, are, are waiting for elections to be called with the bloated list. 71,000 population, 70,000 on the voters list. We know this is the predicament which we can handle by going out to vote in large numbers, but we will be looking out for those who will be attempting to sneak through the process. We will be also looking very closely for them to ensure that at our level, whatever we can do peacefully, in the name of Dominica, in the name of God, that we will, for our liberty, for the, to demonstrate the rights of our people, we will ensure that our elections uh, turn out um, maybe not free and fair by the system, but successful by the citizenry of Dominica. Awesome. And Angelo, I, I, I get so many um, messages from, from, from our folks saying that um, it's, a, the, it's a delight to hear you on the airwaves. And um, they they are definitely imploring me, imploring me to, to to invite you back. And and of course, my brother, you you welcome back. Um, we will try to see if in this political season we can do this as as often as as time and convenience permits. Um, but I want to say thank you so much, man, for for agreeing to come on this weekend interview. You bring a different perspective. You bring a a, a certain freshness, and 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 a very clear and decisive way in which you you make your points um our, our listeners my listeners definitely enjoyed it thank you so much for for, for coming well on. thank you thank you very much my brother for inviting me and um at least uh, i would say the most important um, facet of uh, my presentation here tonight i hope is the apology the sincere and conscientious apology to my listeners who are all there listening to me tonight i'm very sorry but of course, you know, that's how life is. My brother Anthony, I look forward to getting another invitation from you whenever the time is right. I, 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 we had a good time. We had a nice conversation. Have a good night. I think so too. I think so too. Thank you so much, man. And good night. Good night. Okay. Thanks and bye-bye. All right. So listeners, there you had it. I, I told you it was going to be an, an awesome conversation. Angelo Allen is, is you know, a real... Um, political, uh, I'm not political, but radio icon in Dominica and in the region. And uh, I was very happy, I'm humbled that he agreed to come on and, and, ha and for me to interview him. Normally he's on this side of the mic and you could tell. And, and you know, not afraid to, to step up and answer the questions, not, not pulling the punches, 
um, but doing it in a very educated manner and and you understand why he is so well loved by his followers so we're going to, we will do this again um you know as the election season heats up maybe we do it more regular and um hopefully hopefully angelo can become a regular on um, tdnradio.net so listeners there you have it another uh, installment of this week in interview look out for for um season two of redemption road season two of redemption road is is coming up it's already in production so you uh, are going to have to look out for that um we have um our listeners on rvr jams radio thank you for being with us uh they're, they're listening dominica on rv jams radio you can you can look for the app in the play store uh download the app so you can listen to them very good music and information about dominica rs in red um victor and red jams jmz radio download the app uh, we were delighted that the listeners their listeners they team up um with tdn radio to carry this week in interview but this has been it thank you for the producers um and engineer sam for always keeping our mics live if tonight was the first time you listened to this week in interview come back next week we do this every wednesday at 8 p.m eastern eastern standard time remember invite five people to listen we want to grow the audience so that the information that we get we can take action and our action will become a movement so invite five people to listen next week wednesday we usually have the archive of the show on um, podcast on on tdnradio.net you can go there and listen to it again i find when i listen to the shows two and three times i always uh, get new information every time and if you missed it um, you can have that also on on fridays between 10 a.m and 12 noon um, we have fyi fridays with sam and i usually call in and we talk about the issues of the day as well so tune into that 10 a.m for on tdnradio.net on friday for fyi fridays so um, listeners good night have a great weekend and um, enjoy the last um, few days of winter <laughs> we look forward to spring uh, you know and, and better things to come keep your eyes open keep your ears open stay informed so that when elections are called you can make the right choices uh, see you next week good night